0: What's happening? Welcome into the Buffs Nation podcast. Another week, another win. Buffs are 3-0 and coming off the Rocky Mountain Showdown, which, whew, they got, uh, got close there for a while, but
1: uh, I'm Tyler Walden he's Jared All. What'd you think of the game? Did it, you stay up? Did you watch the whole thing? You know, it was a struggle. It was certainly a struggle, but uh, yeah, no, you make it through it, and, and obviously the, the fourth quarter gets exciting. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, fellas. I was a little nervous. I had, may have had a little bit of doubt in my mind at certain points in that game. Uh, uh, just glad to see the boys pulled it out. Producer Ryan is back in town.
2: Uh, What's up? Uh, what would you think of the game? Uh, same thing. I actually said to my girlfriend, I turned to her about an hour before kickoff, and I said, I have a really bad feeling about mm-hmm. tonight. And I don't know if that's just... From being beaten down in previous years, um, just like the whole "here I here we go again" type of mentality, but definitely had that. But yeah, stayed up the whole time, watched uh, watched the double overtime, and man, what a game! Yeah, so we've got uh, a lot to get into today. We'll we'll recap that
0: game, give our thoughts, obviously preview Colorado going to Oregon next week, and then hit on some CU football news as well. But uh, let's start there. CSU last week coming into Boulder for for a rare matchup. In, uh, in Boulder. And then next year, obviously, it's a home-and-home, home, so we go to Fort Collins. Yeah, this is committed. Can't wait to get that <laughs> Can we at talk at to Collins?
1: the Woos Media production team about getting some tickets for us for yeah, that let's game? let's look into this it. We might, <laughs> might need to happen. We,
0: we do need to look into that. Uh, most viewers in the history of an ESPN night game see you set their, their yeah, record. Yeah, it's crazy. 9.3 million people. I've heard everyone talking about this. Bill Burr was talking about this game on his podcast. Uh, I heard someone else on another another pod they were just playing a clip of saying... That they were at the airport and everyone at a gate, and this was some random airport and like you know wherever name the place, and they're all glued to the TV. He said like it was the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? Now it's probably hyperbolic a little bit, but everyone's into it. Everyone's loving what's going on right now, and I'm I, I'm soaking it up. I love the, the the attention and and the notoriety this is bringing to school and and these kids. But uh, thoughts on the overall performance? Jared mentioned it. He he thought it was close there for a while. Um, I mean, what did we think of, of how they came out and played that game?
1: You know, it, it, you take a couple things from it, right? It's it's disappointing. I mean, honestly, the performance was disappointing. The fact that they allowed this to be a game that it took so much. I mean, they were coming from behind big time at the end of that game. So it is disappointing. I think it's concerning to me that it seems like the same issues Week after week after week that we're seeing uh, within this team, which which tells me that we have some definitive weak spots on this team. So that is concerning. However, it is so encouraging to see this team rally through it, push through. It's a rivalry game. Yeah. These things are going to happen. Look all across the country last week. This happened everywhere with people with these letdown games. You kind of look past them. Well, if it happened everywhere, why are you so disappointed? Because you want you don't want to be that team, right? This was the first time that they were the big dogs right this is the first time CU was a favorite uh well at least a a predominant favorite I mean they were a three touchdown over three touchdown favorite by the time this game kicked off so to see you kind of fall short of that it's disappointing but could be the best thing for this team going into Pac-12 play
2: yeah so my takeaway from it is uh and something that concerns me is the type of football we're seeing right now is not sustainable um well I'll never apologize for a win um, I definitely had my concerns. So, what do you mean by that? So, the not really stopping anybody on defense and then relying on Shador Sanders to uh, make plays when you need to make plays. Well, and let's also. The Buffs were outplayed the entire game, the, but they did make the most crucial plays at the most crucial moments of the game.
0: And if you think about it, the turnover thing, what did we say last year by USC? USC is getting lucky with turnovers. It's not something that you can rely on. CU is, is I think. I may have this wrong. Is it seven turnovers? Is it ten? I, it's I, ten. I'll need to look. Ten turnovers. So far? it's a lot. Yeah, it's a yeah, lot of turnovers. Players. That might be more than they had all of last year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but look, it, it, it goes two ways. I don't want to be in the camp that says turnovers are all luck. It's gonna it's gonna be a happenstance because you can coach getting after the football, stripping the football, attacking the football, but. That's not something you want to rely on. You don't want to say, as long as we get two turnovers, we're going to do well today. It has to come outside of that, and we haven't seen CU do that yet. Because it's so, not a given. Exactly. So I, I kind of see where you're coming from there, Ryan, with all that added up. But we'll talk about what it means for Oregon this week. But in terms of last week, you know, my thoughts were, I honestly believe that to be one of the classic flat spots. CU was coming off a rivalry game the week before, where they went all in as a program. It's personal. You know, and, and that was the game the buff sold out for. And this happens all the time. You see it every week, every year, where whether it's Alabama or Oklahoma State or Cal or whoever, you have a rivalry game big. It's tough to get up two weeks in a row. And on top of that, as a 21 point favorite, they were expected to win. Well, and not to, to mention
1: your, your two circle them on the schedule, biggest Pac 12 games are coming up in the following two weeks. It's a sandwich game. Yes.
0: So on top of all that, the Jay Norvell thing, he runs his stupid mouth. What an idiot that guy is. And I honestly think that it didn't, quote, work for what he said for the buffs, but I think that CU handled it in the wrong way. Because if you think about it, the Nebraska game, other games where teams get up, get into it, there is a mentality of focus, extra determination. We're going to work harder. CU almost took the other out of they laughed it off and like oh okay we'll win by 60 now as if they could just like snap their fingers and win by 60. so I think that mindset kind of affected the buffs in a negative way to where they thought oh they pissed us off now we're gonna go and, and, and it got them more
1: complacent meanwhile CSU that was their super yeah movie. I don't I don't know that I'll say that it yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, right? The mindset inevitably creeps in. When you're kind of thinking in your head, oh, well, we'll just dominate and then whatever. Sure, but I don't think you saw less of CU or them them show up less because of that. But it absolutely fueled the fire for if CSU. You, but but my point is, you saw Shador Sanders
0: before Nebraska get real intense, real per, real personal. After the game, said, you know, what he said about my dad wasn't okay, all that stuff. The CSU lead up. Shadur was on game day. He's laughing it off. Yeah. So that's It was the a much more
2: casual uh, atmosphere and and I will say between, you know, I went to the Nebraska game. I didn't get a chance to go to the CSU game, but um it was a star-studded event last weekend. You know the you know Lil Wayne, uh The Rock, um offset you know all these you know rappers can, celebrities can I, can I say something who is offset
0: who? No, I, I think am i the said, only one who doesn't know who,
1: who that from is Migos. i
2: think he just said the rock was offset like, <laughs> like it was uh he was offline of no but i mean it was it was like it was like a freaking it was like they'd already won the super bowl yeah you know and, and everybody's partying not to mention i also do think it's pretty crazy to have all that pomp and circ- circumstances at what five o'clock in the morning and kickoffs not yeah. till eight yeah i never understood that why game day does the late games for their show because you got to
0: wait all as, day as shout out as it is. shout
1: out to the students by the way yeah. i was <laughs> sure. terrified that they'd be passed out somewhere at home not <laughs> able to make it back out to the game so shout out to everyone, as all the much of it as there. a marathon
2: as it is as a spectator imagine what that is as an athlete and, and i remember you know back when i played too the more time i had to sit around it was almost worse for me yeah well, that was my last note on last weekend. Was all the celebrities?
0: Because uh, I go, I, I I have strong feelings about this because I actually love it. You know, I, I'm not. I this do. is this is what Coach Prime does. You can't love Coach Prime yep. but want him to tone it down and mm-hmm. fit your box. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. That's a hundred percent. The other thing is, this isn't for you at home. This is for the kid, the 16 year olds, the 14 year olds at home who are looking at this. Stuff. That's who it's for. Now, I'm gonna be honest. I. I'm probably more in the camp that didn't love it. I'm probably more in the camp that it's like, Okay, it's a lot of celebrities. Yeah, my dad wasn't a fan. You know, I mean, I get I, but, but we need to remember that despite what we think about it, sure. there's a clear purpose for all of this. Well, it's they had some big-time recruits
1: out there this weekend that you know, the, the, the number one recruit was in the country. On yep.
0: Number 1 overall five-star recruit in the country was at the game last weekend. <laughs> it's been such a long. The last time that happened, I think, was in the early 2000s. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. Okay, final thing before we turn the page, the dirty hit. Number eleven. <laughs> what did we think? Well, I I, I started by saying the dirty hit. Did you think it was dirty? Absolutely, one hundred percent. I am
1: shocked that even in that moment, he was not kicked out of that game. Yeah. I saw that live, and it was so obvious to me. I mean, the ball falls in front of him. By the way, where he sees it hit on the ground directly in front of him, and if you stop the the camera right there, he is a good two to three yards away from making that hit. Yeah, it was... He, he absolutely... It's not necessarily just that he made the hit. It's the clear intent of the hit. He was making that hit to injure that player. Yeah. That was what he was going to do. He was headhunting, for sure. Now, will I say that... Fans and probably some of you listening out there have taken it way too far as primetime addressed in his press conference this week. He said the right Absolutely. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is a kid that made a mistake in the moment. The the moment got too big for him, and he made a bad decision in that moment. But it was dirty, and it was trash, and he should have gotten kicked out. I agree. Complete trash. I thought
0: he should have Should have gotten kicked out. I It really still pisses me off. I still think about yep. it and get worked up. But you know what coach said was the right thing. He he's. T- I mean, Coach Prime is Coach Prime. I, lo- I loved it on the athletic. There was a uh, a quote. Uh, Deion Sanders isn't just famous; he's a heck of a football coach, and I agree with that. He's do he's doing everything you need to do correctly. And I've said this time and time again. In in this era of college football, you can't just be an X's and O's coach. Mm-hmm. You can't just be a CEO who's got a good staff. You can't just be a good recruiter. You've got to do everything, and you've got to do it well. I don't know what Coach Prime's bad at. These players love him. He's the father figure to all these guys. He recruits his—I mean, this is one of the best recruiting staffs in the country led by Coach Prime. He clearly gets the X's and O's. He's won as a coach at all these levels. He knows what he's doing. He was 27-6 and six at Jackson. He's winning games now, or at least putting people in the position to win games— what doesn't he do that the modern coach needs to do well? So I'm really impressed. Or and look, I know everyone's talking about him, and it's so easy to, to to rain praise right now. But I think it's deserved, and I think there's a clear reason why he's getting all this attention. I think it's I think it's definitely um, he deserves it. So. Travis Hunter's going to be out for about three weeks, lacerated liver. It was going back and forth. Is it a spleen? Is it a liver? It's a lacerated liver, so he'll be up for about three There's
1: weeks. There's a lot of stuff in there. And that's, again, it, it happens so <laughs> unfortunately, so unfortunately, leading up to the two biggest games of the year where, where he would have been yeah. leaned on. And, and just looking at the impact of this injury moving forward, and, and my take as what we saw in in that second half of, of this game uh, is... The Buffs are going to be okay without him on offense. They have a lot of dogs Mm. at receiver out there. Now, I'm not saying that they won't miss him, but they have a lot of guys that can fill that spot. I I do not believe they have the same depth and level of talent at defensive back. I think we are absolutely going to see that impact and i think we saw that already against a an inferior opponent in csu just imagine i mean look at those those freaking crossing routes after crossing (laughs) oh my god right and and just i i think that was so clear to me that they didn't have that guy to put out there to stop that and i'm curious to see what they do differently and how this defense adjusts because i really think his impact on this defense is going to be felt so much
0: all right. So let's get to some CU news. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business and want to utilize freelance work, I highly recommend it. Here at Wooz Media, we use freelancers for uh, website design, graphic design, all different kinds of stuff where I don't want to go through a company, pay extra fees and freelance work. You know, it's really if you haven't used freelancers before, I highly recommend it. It's an easy process. Most of the people on Fiverr.com are professionals or ex-professionals who can really help you with whatever you're looking for. So check out freelancers on Fiverr.com. Use the link in the show notes, and that's going to get you a big discount on your first freelance experience. So if you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, or just want to use a freelancer for your own personal use, check out Fiverr.com. Use the link in the show notes for a discount on your first experience. Uh, Colorado News, Coach Prime wants to wear a different uniform each week. He's talking about changing the way things are done. Remember, in his first post co- or uh, press conference in Boulder, Deion Sanders was like, "Expect changes. There's going to be changes mm-hmm. and down to the uniforms. We're going to change." So,
1: thoughts on different uniform every week? Are you more old school? I wanna a, want to put I want to put a disclaimer out there before I give you my answer. You got to give me the old school black helmet or excuse me, gold helmet, black jersey, gold pants. Once, give me that at least once. If you do that, I love it. I love it. This is what... We're going back to talking about him understanding what these kids want to see. Oregon, who the Buffs play this week, they they kind of ushered in this generation of how important that is. The look. That clean look. and, And... Man, that black and gold, you know, add in the white on there. I mean, that's just so clean. There's so many different things you can do so are you do okay to mix it up every love week? Love it mixing up every Brian, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm okay with it. Like, uh, as to Jared's point with the traditional, I feel like even the uh, black jersey, black pants, gold helmet, I feel that's close enough for me. So, <laughs> so you know, that, that that quenched my thirst on that. Uh, Looked look. good with that blackout game, sure, the night but game.
0: I will say this. The Nebraska, I wasn't super into the white yeah. pants. Yeah black you know, you know you remember the first time i at least in the modern era i believe first time ever but first time in the modern era where CU wore white pants black top black helmet no north texas and they lost that in day. yeah they lost i think it was maybe over time what was that that was early 2000s as well maybe yeah. mid-2000s because north texas i remember huh. that that was the first time I ever. Seems
1: like wore that the... was maybe a Hawkins era game. Yeah, yeah, right. not, yeah. No. yeah,
2: But I'm all for it. I mean, again, that's what that's what we're looking for. I mean, um, you know, again, like our parents' generation, they're probably not into it. But uh, but yeah, give me chrome, give me matte black, whatever. Who
1: is this dog? Snoop. Here, on Here's the, side the other box. thing that I I fully expect if and when we do see gold helmet, gold pants, they'll actually match. I believe they will actually match this year. It's been. Several decades <laughs> since they have figured out the uh, match on that. It's gotten, gotten worse year, right. and worse year after it's year. Tough. It's
0: tougher at Notre Dame. does the same thing. I know. It's tough. Yeah. UCLA. Okay. Uh, Coach Prime was on 60 Minutes. Did you see this? I saw that he was on it. I didn't actually see the interview. So I caught it on YouTube. I, I'm not a... I tried to sit and watch it. I'm not a big TV person, and it just took forever. I'm almost sitting through <laughs> it. As, takes I was like, it takes 60 minutes. But it was cool. They. They. I thought it was a little bit pushy i thought the guy who did it was like asking a lot of questions about jackson state and like oh how dare
1: you run these kids off it's like haven't we covered this yeah haven't we gone through this and tyler maybe you can tell those of us who didn't didn't see the documentary but i know that the current jackson state coach who was on uh dion staff last year did uh, has come out publicly and said he he felt like that that interview really really painted Jackson State in a bad light and the city that they're in and everything and he he didn't feel like they did a very good job of bringing light and positivity to that uh, to to what's going on well, at Jackson State. I mean I'm not sure it's their job to bring
0: light and positivity. I think it's their job to report. And the truth is, I mean, think about what was going on in Jackson when he was there. There was a water crisis. They couldn't get clean water. There were all kinds of carjackings from players on the team during the games. I mean, it wasn't a pretty environment. So to pretend that it was all great, I think, is not reality. And that's not 60 Minutes' job to paint them in a good light. And what they said was he's moved from a area that was like that to an area like Boulder that's 1% black, and it's just a lot different. And so... It's a different experience, and it's a different culture, and it's going from HBCU to Power 5, and they hit a lot in there. Well, what was your mission? You said when you were an HBCU coach, money didn't matter. You said it was about the mission, and you come to Colorado. So what did, so I felt like it was a lot of that, and honestly, what Coach Prime said in the interview, the looking bad, maybe what they were referring to instead of the actual portrayal of Jackson was, he said he felt like he set him up, up, and it was their job to keep it going, but maybe didn't feel like they were all in. So he said <laughs> that, and... I don't blame him. I mean, if that's how it goes, that's how it goes. And I've said this before publicly. Let's enjoy Prime while he's here. Hopefully, hopefully Coach Prime is here for 20 years and he's a coach for decades and he brings C back to prominence and we're good for a long time, but I'm well aware that he may go somewhere short and I'm okay with that. I'm not, I'm not someone who believes that there aren't destination jobs and that you shouldn't do what's best for your family and that you, you have as, you know, aspirations and ambitions in in your career. Like, I'm okay with that. So if he wants to go somewhere, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's brought everything to see you. I hope he stays for a long time. But, you know, all of the narrative of, oh, if you leave us, you're abandoning us. I don't necessarily think that's the case.
1: It, 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 what's funny to me when that topic gets brought up, because that is even, whether we're talking local fans or nationally, that is still on a week-to-week basis. This is like a discussion point. And do we forget that this is this is the nature of every single head coach in college football? <laughs> it would be the anomaly if he stays. Right? Like, he should leave at some point. Right. Whether that's at the end of this year or next year, he, he, he should. That is what the, the history tells you. That's what you do you go from a low level school then you go to a lower end power five school and then you go get the big time job i mean that's just what you do that's what a lot of coaches in the sec most of the head coaches in the sec that's what they did so to think that he would be uh, deserting the bus or or abandoning us it's a joke it's ridiculous and again we hope he stays but while he's here appreciate it and get everything you can out of him
0: All right, let's get to see you at Oregon next week. Uh, Colorado is a 21-point underdog. Is this the first real test? What are your initial thoughts going into Oregon? Do you think the Buffs can hang in there? Are they going to be overwhelmed? Initial thoughts before we dive into all the numbers.
1: I absolutely believe they can hang in there. This is a team that I think can score as well as anyone and can keep up with anyone. So I'm not necessarily feeling like this is a game I'm concerned about them getting blown out I actually if if we're talking you know going back to the CSU game I kind of love that that happened just before this right Right. this is that like oh we're not unbeatable we're not unstoppable we actually have to put in all that work we put in the offseason that has to continue and I think it's kind of a little bit of an eye-opener I think you're going to get a hundred percent of what the buffs can give going into this game all right um Let's get to Oregon. What to expect from them? What they've
0: done this season? Because we know what the Buffs have done, and we'll get to some matchups here in a second. Uh, Oregon—they've looked very, very good this year. I believe Oregon is a legitimate playoff contender. Uh, maybe not national title yet, but playoff for sure. They've outscored their opponents 174 to 47 this this year. Good win at Texas Tech in week two. That was kind of what you may call a trap game. They got the win there in a tough environment. And uh, let's start with quarterback Bo Nix. Played at Auburn for a while, very polarizing. Everyone seemed to have their Bo Nix opinion for for years. Goes to Oregon, finds to seems to find a home with the Ducks. Looked really good last year, and is frankly in a lot of people's Heisman talk this year. So Bo Nix, good quarterback a uh, good leader, you know, the Buffs have won themselves,
1: but Bo Nix is good for Oregon. And he's a, he's a dual threat guy, and that's somebody you got to watch out for. You know, I know one of the weaknesses of this Buffs team that we've seen so far is getting after the quarterback, and that that kind of changes to a whole different dynamic when you're going against a dual threat guy that right. you got to watch out for him not only as a pocket passer, but also in the running game. So he's going to be a challenge. He, he is the biggest challenge for the Buffs this weekend is to contain him.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they haven't seen anyone like him so far on the season. completion percentage, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, only been sacked once, and he already has almost 900 yards passing. uh, On the ground, Uh, they are going to rush it about the same amount of the time they pass it. They've thrown it 116 times, rushed it 95 times for just under 700 yards and 11 touchdowns. The main two running backs you're going to see get the ball are, uh, let's see here, Number zero, Bucky Irving, and then number 20, Jordan James. Bucky Irving is going to be more of the quick back, the elusive back, and then uh, Jordan James, more of the goal line, short distance power back. So those are the two running backs that Oregon's going to use, and they've got elite talent at both receiver and tight end. By far, the best talent CU has seen this season. Look, overall... Oregon actually doesn't have like that super elite talent across the board, like we talked about, to be a national title contender. But if you look at offense and specifically look at quarterback and wide receiver, I mean, coming into the season, it was widely regarded that those are top five, if not top ten units. And they've solidified that. These receivers look good, and they are for sure loaded. This year, overall numbers, Oregon is seventh in offensive efficiency and fifth in a stat called F-plus efficiency, which is like a combination of a bunch of different... Uh, uh, like uh, advanced metrics. So they're a top ten team, I'd say, inarguably in the country. Defense, though, bit of a different question. This year, Oregon's 29th in the country defensively. So if there is maybe an opening here, it would be when Colorado's got the ball. Maybe they'll be able to move it a little bit on this Oregon defense that isn't. Maybe great early.
1: Yeah, and it is a little tough to gauge this year's version of Oregon's defense. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Dan Lanning is that yeah, his name. Dan Lanning. Uh, I believe he's a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, he came from right? Georgia, okay. And um, you know, last year they had a a, a a solid, a decent defense. This year, I mean, you got two games where you played a couple of nobodies: Hawaii, Portland State. They gave up only one touchdown in each of those games. One field goal against uh, Hawaii as well. But Texas Tech, the one decent opponent, you know, solid. I, they were, they're were they arguably a top 25, top 30 team in Texas uh, Tech. 30 points allowed uh, in that game. So something I do think that there's opportunities for the most well, to score some points but this Jared, game.
0: But that's why I brought up these advanced metrics. I'm going to start doing more of that on this show because it's one thing to look at passing yards per game, rushing yards per game, which that's important. We'll talk about that stuff. But I like the advanced metrics because it goes behind the numbers and it adjusts for opponent, right? So this puts everyone on an, on an equal level, whether it's Alabama playing some there's some cupcake or Alabama playing Texas or Colorado playing CSU or Colorado playing Oregon. All of these stats that I bring up that are advanced stats are adjusted for opponents and it just goes behind all the normal numbers we have. That's why 29th in the country, that tells a story of a good, not great defense. So that maybe we'll see you has an opportunity. But let's start off in our breakdown of on the other side of the football, Oregon's offense against Colorado's defense. We already talked about Bo Nix and the running backs. You can look to see how elite that those wide receivers and tight ends are. I mean, some of the best in the nation. Um, and we, we also mentioned that Oregon, again, 29th in yards allowed. That can't be said for CU. The Buffs are 114th in the country in yards allowed per game. Again, Oregon, 29th in that. Buffs, 114th in that category. They've given Yikes. up a lot of yards, 460 per game, but it doesn't stop there. Colorado, 95th in the country in passing yards allowed per game, 113th in the country in rushing yards allowed per game. So Ryan, what Ryan said was correct earlier, that CU's winning... But the way they're winning, not sustainable at all. This defense has to start stopping someone.
2: Sure. I mean, it reminds me of um, the 2016 team um, when the Buffs won the Pac-12 South. Mm-hmm. Um, started off strong, I think. Got what all the way up to 10th, maybe that year, something like that. It was something, yeah, it was. close. Uh, yeah, but you saw, you saw probably the last four to five weeks of that year, people started. Uh, slowing down and and the uh, the fatigue, uh, just the season week in, week out, you saw it kind of catch up to him, and that's kind of what this team reminds me of as well. Uh, so Oregon, uh, you know, Oregon's going to be tough to stop,
0: obviously, and with those defensive numbers, it doesn't help my confidence going into this game. Sure, you look at the line because I think CU has been overmatched on the defensive line. You know, they've given up some rush yards, haven't done a great job right there up front with the front four. And Oregon has a very good offensive line. Matter of fact, in the country, in efficiency, they're one of those advanced stats. Oregon's 11th in the country. Like I said earlier, Bo Nix has been sacked once, which means they're allowing, you know, a half a sack per game. That's best for six in the country, number six. It's it's not like C.U. can just snap their fingers and get after Bo Nix and start making him uncomfortable. It's going to take a game plan to start doing well what C.U. hasn't done well, because this matchup does not bode well for Colorado's defense, what we saw so far. And, and well, honestly, so far this, honestly, this
1: Tyler, I think what it's going to take is, is bringing pressure via the blitz, things like that. But I don't know if that's a smart move, a smart no. play in this game, because Wait. that opens things up for a guy like Bo Nix to make some plays with his feet. Wait for my keys to the
0: game. We'll come back to that for my keys to the game. Um We mentioned the weapons on the outside and they do have some weapons at Oregon. And 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 this this is awful not to have Travis Hunter for this game. This is one of the games where you need a guy like Travis Hunter to be able to shut someone down. Uh, Coach Prime said in an interview this week it will be cornerback by committee, and Cormani McLean will not be in that mix. When asked why, as a follow up question, he said he's not ready. When asked in another follow up question, whose fault is that? Or what? Cormani's. Uh, uh, he yeah. said it's his.
1: So, and I, one thing I want to say too, that I think we're all maybe taking a little bit of this out, the perspective out of this. This is a true freshman. And yes, he was one of the top recruits in the country, but there are a lot of top top recruits coming in true freshmen this year in the country around college football not playing this is not that abnormal for a true freshman even a highly recruited guy to not play in his first few games so let's not hit the panic button just yet now is this maybe a sign that he's not quite a hundred percent there not ready mentally or maybe hasn't fully bought into what his coaching staff has to be obviously right I mean I think if, if he was there he would be getting on the field we've seen that the best guy plays so I think we've just we're all making a little too much well. out of this because of him being our top recruit?
0: I know. I agree with that, and he was the number one overall recruit, but Carter Stoutmeyer is also
1: a true it, freshman. Yes. He's getting his opportunity, so I think that may be, but, you know. But, but, but Stoutmeyer was here in the spring. Cormady McClain did not show up until June under this team. He's only been with this team for three months, for 90 days. So, again, if we start getting through towards the end of this season into next season and we're not seeing Cormady McClain get on the field – that's a problem. Now we're looking at what is the problem? Why isn't he on there? But I think we just need to pump the brakes a little bit and let this kid get his feet wet a little bit in college football.
2: Uh, do we see more zone this week? I like, hope so because right? that's. I mean, I'm screaming at my TV with these crossing routes against CSU. Like, hello, I know. If I can, if I can fix it from my couch, which uh, obviously I'm uh, not quite more complicated to complicated at all, than that. Right, right? But if I can see it from my TV, it's like, what are we doing? But well,
0: okay, so so. Uh, Coach Prime actually talked about that in the post game interview, mm. and he it seemed like he blamed the players. It seemed like what he said behind saying stuff was Coach Kelly was making the right calls. Defense wasn't doing the right stuff. But to your point, Ryan, it was all man to man concepts. Mm-hmm. Does this defense even have a lot? I don't know what this defense now. They are multiple, right? We've seen them be multiple all year. But do they have enough of a versatile zone playbook to run that this game against Oregon? Not so sure. I think we should see more of that though.
1: And, and I think I, you, I hope we do I think you can absolutely bank on the fact that Oregon is looking back at that CSU film seeing what concepts they were running offensively drag, against the Buffs defense drag, and they will drag, be not only receiver, more creative in how they implement it but they're going to have better athletes executing it so it's yeah. going to be even tougher for the Buffs to stop that and you have to know that that is what is coming at you this week alright do you have anything to add for this side of the football before we get to the other side and I, talk CU offense the only thing I'll say is I think it's, it's less about shutting this offense down and more about keeping themselves in the game. Make enough plays to stay in the game. Give your offense a chance at the end of the game I think you can honestly expect this is going to be a very high-scoring game if the Buffs win, right? I don't think that this defense is going to go out and shut Oregon down. You shouldn't expect that. But make enough plays. Make those key third-down stops. You know, Don't make stupid penalties like you did last week. Allow yourself to stay in this game. I think that's the key for the defense here. If you want to bet on this game or other games, check
0: out BetterEdge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, like sports, BetterEdge.com. Better Edge has done something magnificent for everyone out there, me and you. They've gotten rid of the VIG. They've gotten rid of the risk. You can start betting today on college football and other sports with no risk. So what that means is over your, the course of your life, well, you're not expected to win much because most people lose anyway, but you're also not expected to lose. You can you can stop the conversation every month with your wife about why you lost a bunch of money betting on the on your favorite college <laughs> football team. So uh, check out Better Edge online. Put in promo code BUFFS when you sign up, and you get a free 20 bucks. So you don't even have to put, to deposit one dime of your own money. Put in promo code BUFFS. They'll give you a free 20. You can start betting VIG-free today. That's betteredge.com, promo code BUFFS. All right, so Colorado's offense against Oregon's defense. Let's break this down because this is the only way, in my opinion, Colorado's going to win this game. who's <laughs> not going to win this thing 13-10. Nope. Okay, they're going to win this if they do in a shootout. Uh, passing game right now second in the nation Shador looks amazing he's he's projected to be a first round pick on many have you guys seen the mock drafts the oh, yeah, the, yeah. Mo, the recent CBS sports mock draft I saw had him going 29th overall really? well, in, the, in the first
1: round the only optimism for me as a cu fan that he'll come back to CU is it's one of the deepest quarterback classes in many many years that yeah. he may he may realize he has a better shot to go top five top ten if he sticks around one more year hey i'm just throwing it out there
0: we'll see i'm not sure I, I right now i have no information on that so we'll keep an eye on that but passing game for colorado not arguable one of the best in the country the same cannot be said for the russian game 125th in the nation in rushing yards per game it's obvious to me what Oregon's going to want to do. They want to make the buffs one dimensional. Stop the pass, make him throw the football. I mean, I think we see a lot of three linemen dropping eight back over and over, trying to make this difficult, begging CU to run the football. That has to be Oregon's game plan. So the question is does Colorado feed into that, try and run the football? Or do they use this short passing attack? Like, what is the, what is the response that we should see from the Buffs when Oregon
1: inevitably backs things off and, and dares see you to run the football? I, you know, I I look at this uh, Buffs offense over the course of the first few weeks, and I, I will absolutely say that some of their lack of production in running the ball is style. This is how this offense is built. It's quick pace. It's get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. But it is. It's intended to be a passing offense. But it's not right? because the of our passvers- offensive line? talent and that could be it that could be part of it and that's not to say that that shouldn't be in in sean lewis's thought process if he knows his offensive line is not good enough for them to run the ball effectively down after down after down then use that to your advantage use your strategy so i just i, I want to continue to say that because i do think that some of this is strategy you know but that being said when you can't run against a box that is open for you to run like you just talked about three down linemen maybe a couple of off ball linebackers everyone else is in the defensive backfield you have five guys on the offensive line that should be able to dominate that front and if you can't make that happen that is going to be a
2: problem in this game yeah so for this week I think um one bit of news that uh Tyler you may be getting to since we're on the offense now is Alton McCaskill um took off the yellow no contact jersey this week um and what the game plan should be, in my opinion, this is why I kind of didn't want to do. Um, and I didn't bring this up before the show, but I didn't really want to do the offense and defense as as two separate entities this week, because I really think their game plan should be um, to really use their offense as a piece of the defense and keep uh, keep Oregon's offense off the field, especially with the new time rules. Um, the you know the clock not stopping until under two minutes. Um, but Alton McCaskill's fresh. He hasn't played in over a year. He's got fresh legs. And the biggest thing too, and why I think the Buffs may kind of struggle in the running game as well, is they they have they have a good running back room, but they all kind of only do one thing very well. Dylan Edwards, he's a showstopper. You know, he he'll, he'll take the top off of defense. If you give him an inch, he'll score a touchdown on you. Um, Wilkerson and Hankerson, they're more of your bruiser guys. You know, We don't have one guy that does both, that, who can catch the b- football out of the backfield and get five, six, seven yards a clip. So I think having that guy um, is really going to benefit, and we should really lean on that running back room this week.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's a great point. Alt McCaskill could play this week. I'd say it's likely he does play. He's ready to go, um, and that could change things. I'm not sure if a running back... You know, insertion will suddenly change things, but it's only going to help. Uh, but, but you know, I think a lot of it does come down to Shadur running more. I know he wants to stay healthy. I know that's not a big part of this offense. But last week, he picked up big chunks of yards mm-hmm. when he was able to run. CSU did not have a quarterback spy in their game plan. They put one in late. I think that it's it's a big deal that he runs successfully and opens things up for this defense. When you have to watch the quarterback, that changes a lot. On defense, so okay, like I said, I, I know he's not trying to run as much. I get it, but I think that's going to have to be part of the game plan if see who's going to win. That's what I think about that. Uh, remember, no Hunter on offense either, right? Travis Hunter's going to be miss both offense and defense, so need a big game from other wide receivers and tight ends. Um, I was going to ask which running back, back kind of stands out this game. I'm, I'm going to answer McCaskill. I think Ryan May, too. Uh, Jared, quick answer for that.
1: I'm going to just be, just to be counterintuitive, I'm going to go with Dylan Edwards because I think he's going to have a big play at some point in this game. Um, and then let's talk about receivers
0: slash tight ends because, whoa. Mike Harrison kind of came out of nowhere. Mikey! Woo. Can we get that man a scholarship? <laughs> Can we give that man a scholarship? I mean, uh, he looked great. Yeah. And I, I, he stepped up when you needed him the most. And that's that says so much, right? When you get a, an injury like that and Hunter goes down, it's like, okay, moment of truth, who's Sanders going to go to? And it was, it was uh, over and over uh, Harrison. So I like Mike Harrison. You know, remember uh, Tim Brewster before the season said, no more Mikey. Not going to have a big old badass out there named Mikey Harrison. <laughs> so to the Mike or Michael, according to the coaching staff, but he said he doesn't care. In an interview, he's like, "Yeah, you can call me whatever you want, but <laughs> as um, long as you're throwing me touchdown passes." He stepped up last week, but I'm I'm thinking that the game plan is going to have to be to to get after him for Oregon. So I think Jimmy Horn. I'll yeah, Jimmy I was going to say that
1: week. as well because I, again, you you need to get the ball out of his hand, out of Shador's hand quickly. And to me, Jimmy Horn's the guy that can do the most with the ball in his hands in that receiving group. All right, um, my last note here
0: before we get to my keys to the game. Um, it's obviously important to keep Oregon off balance. A lot easier said than done, though. I mean, obviously, you don't want to become one-dimensional. Obviously, that's going to be Oregon's game plan. We'll see how CU adjusts. All right, my keys to the game. Top three keys. As I say every week, I put a lot of thought into these. I want these to be really specific for this game, this matchup. And I believe these three keys, even though maybe not conventional, are going to be how CU wins this week, or at least one way CU's going to win. Key number one. You've got to win the time of possession, and I think you've got to win it maybe substantially. Now, this may sound counterintuitive to what CU wants to do, which is play very fast, but I think that's going to hurt the buffs in this game. You've got to keep Oregon off the field, right? I forget which one of you mentioned that earlier, but I think it was Ryan saying you got to use the offense as the defense. That's important this game. I think you shift things up. you got to show a versatility in your own approach to the game when a matchup like this presents itself where you don't just Go full
1: throttle all game long. And this is where it's going to be a little bit different for the Buffs as they enter Pac-12 play. There are a lot of offenses in the Pac-12 that can keep pace with the Buffs' offense. Yeah. So you can't just out outpace them. You know, like the Buffs have done early in the season. That's what they did to TCU. They outpaced TCU, right? They just kept going and kept going offensively. They couldn't be stopped. Oregon has the guys that will absolutely match you and can probably beat you, probably will beat you
0: in that game. Well, and it's not just about Oregon scoring and being able to score, it's about keeping the defense rested and fresh, right? What well, we saw last week in the Mississippi State-LSU game, or what was that, two weeks ago, I forget when it was, but Mississippi State wasn't that bad against LSU. They were just exhausted. Three and out defense back on the field. Three and out defense back on the field. That cannot happen against Oregon. So, you know, look, we the Buffs have had enough problems giving yards up. You don't need to be out there after a three and out. You know, that that's that's imperative in my opinion. So change the game plan up. Use the offense as a defense, like Ryan said. Time possession is going to be key. And on top of that, third downs, right? That that goes hand in hand. You got to convert on third downs. Key number two, pressure Bo Nix. Again, easier said than done. Buffs haven't been able to pressure this year. Oregon's sixth in the country at allowing sacks. Not a great you know, recipe here. But I don't think the Buffs D has really done what they can do yet. I think this, but this defense line has some talent that we haven't seen yet. I think these linebackers have talent that we haven't seen yet. And I really don't believe the game plan against TCU, Nebraska, and CSU will work in this game, right? Too much talent, too much speed to sit back and rush three or four. I'm well aware, and this is what Jared mentioned earlier. Let's come back to it. I'm well aware that if you bring pressure, extra extra blitzes, that's going to leave gaps in the back end. I'm well aware of that. The more you bring, the more vulnerable you are in the secondary. But you have to try and win. You can't play not to lose. In my opinion, dropping back, playing the cover, nothing deep, that's playing not to lose. you got to go out trying to blitz. you got to
1: go out trying to get to Bo Nix. Otherwise, see, I I, I have to disagree with you, Tyler, because I I really feel like that that is where Bo Nix excels, is when he kind of gets out of the pocket and can make plays. So for me, I'm going to kind of like... Don't jump off a little away from the direction you're going. And to me, this defensive front needs to be disruptive. I'm not saying you have to get to the quarterback and get sacks. You have to be disruptive and get them off of their timing and not allow well, them to make these easy plays. I say, I didn't mean necessarily sacks specifically. I meant that. I meant get after
0: him, rough him up. Uh, you know, no nothing dirty, of course, but you want to impact the way that he looks at the game. You want to get in his face, quarterback hurries, yeah. pressures, things like that, and... In my opinion, the Buffs have not shown the ability to do that bringing four. You've got to bring linebackers. You've got to bring some nickel corner blitzes. Mix things up, safety blitzes. Bring Shiloh a little bit, right? Well, I know he's valuable back there in the back end. Maybe bring Trevor. Yeah, Trevor Woods is a great right.
1: blitzer. We've seen that in past. My years. My point
0: is, though, in my opinion, you can absolutely disagree, but in my opinion, the Buffs have to go out. That's how you win.
1: You can't. You can't try and not lose. You got to attack yep. on defense. And when they do blitz, because you're right, it's gonna. You're gonna have to pick your moments and do that. It needs to be strategic. You need to pick your moments right, and you need to disguise it. I think that's important for them to not understand the guys coming at them, because that's how you get to him without him realizing, you know, you get you get by that blindside blocker or maybe somebody doesn't pick up that blitzing safety or whatever, but don't don't give I, I, we saw that several times in the last couple of weeks where you really showed those linebackers coming up and then you knew this blitz was coming. I think it's important that you have to disguise your looks. You have to confuse Bo Nix. We saw that in his time in, or, or at Auburn, right? This is why he struggled because those SEC defenses were confusing him. He was not reading the defense well. He wasn't understanding what he was looking at. If you can do that, he has proven in the past He's a guy that can't get off of his rhythm.
0: Um, I agree. You know, let, let, let's go. Let, let, we need to bring pressure somehow. Whether it's with four, whether it's bringing pressure, that's going to be imperative, in my opinion. Um, all right, my third key to the game, and I know this one may sound obvious, but a fast start here is imperative. It is so crucial. Colorado gets off to a fast start. Let me let me maybe adjust that a little bit. Whatever they do, they've got to match Oregon. If they get off to a bad start, start they've got to play very well defensively and keep Oregon back because what can't happen is going into halftime down 28-7, right? And you have to come back. I don't think the, buff- the Buffs are built right now to come back if they're down three touchdowns. Now, you may say, what are you talking about, Tyler? Number two passing offense in the country. Isn't that what you need? It's going to help. But I think in all these games, look at the common thing. And CSU is not Oregon on the road. It's a different animal, different defense. Colorado State's 114th defensive efficiency. We mentioned Oregon's top 20 still, or top 30 still. So I think the quick start, getting the fans to question, getting Oregon to question, because Oregon right now, I think, may be in a similar mindset that CU was in one week ago, where they're thinking, now I know that they have the attention, you know, the Buffs have everyone's attention right now, but are they really thinking this is going to be a tight game? Are they really thinking, wow, the bus may have this? So start start getting well, into it Well, and let's not bit.
1: forget the comments made by head coach Dan Landing in this off season, right? What does he, he tried to play it down? This? He tried to play it down. Yeah, and so I absolutely think that in their heads, they believe they are the far superior team to CU. I think that in their minds that CU doesn't belong on on the field on that ranking. I mean, they're only separated by eight spots in the AP poll, right? I think Oregon believes there's a much better team so you're right. I think you have to play that role that like CSU did last year. Circle this one on your calendar. This is the one to prove to the world that you are among the top teams in the Pac-12. You belong. Even if you don't win this game, prove you belong on the field with a team like Oregon.
0: Right, I'm going to make you guys go first this week with your score predictions. All
1: right, I always go first. I'll lead it off. I'll lead it All off. Right. I'll lead it off. I really, really feel like the buffs have a chance. There are definite ways. You broke down a lot of them in your keys there. They have ways to win this game. I, I just think for the first time they're going up against an opponent that matches up pretty well to them. I think they can keep pace with them offensively if it goes that way. I think they have a stronger defense if it turns to a defensive game. So I don't think the Buffs win in this game. However, this 21 or whatever it is, right. point spread, I absolutely think the Buffs <laughs> cover that, that spread. Way out. Okay, covering spread. that spread. So I'm going to take a high-scoring game with Oregon winning 41-34. Okay. Brian, what do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I also think the uh, the Buffs fall here this week, um, but I do think they they, they will make it close. Uh, I just think that Oregon Oregon presents a a difficulty a matchup that we have that the Buffs haven't seen this year, in the fact that they don't really have uh, Oregon, they don't really have a side of the ball that's really deficient. So I really truly think that that's uh, they're going to get a much more well-rounded opponent. Um, but I will again, I will say they they keep it close. I'm going to go uh, thirty-eight, thirty-four ducks.
0: All right. So the last time you two were on the same side and I disagreed, the Buffs won against TCU. G- give the fans what they want. Yeah, I I think that there are ways CU wins this game, and and I don't want to get caught up on what we've seen so far from the Buffs because if there's a team that's going to improve week by week. I'll take CU right there, top of the list of anyone in college football. This coaching staff's proven to me they can get these guys ready. This coaching staff's proven to, they, proven to me they can orchestrate a good game plan. Look, CSU was a trap game. I believe that was such an anomaly, and I think this team's a lot better than what we saw. I believe the true buffs are far more close to the, C, or to the TCU Nebraska buffs than they were against CSU. So I'm going to take Colorado to win a stunner uh, you know what? Let's go forty-two to forty. I think it's going to be close. <laughs> My man, scope go be Very very close. Buffs get the job done. I think Shadour has another classic Tom Brady-like final
1: drive. Gets it done for the Buffs. So all right, I'm really going to put you on the spot now. Mm-hmm. Who gets the game-winning score? It's going to be Xavier. Oh Xavier, I'm taking Dylan Edwards for a big run in that in that scenario. Okay. okay. Right. I mean, look, I think Jimmy's going to
0: have a big game, but they go with number 10 for the win. So that's what I got. That's my, that's my call. I think Buffs get the job done. But look, it's a big game at Oregon. 1.30 Mountain Time on Saturday. So look, uh, uh, if you're going to the game... Be not, you know. I, I've read so many things about bad fan behavior and, and all this stuff in the NFL, college. Be a good fan, you know. Not, not that CU fans haven't been, but don't act like CSU fans. Don't act like Nebraska fans. Represent well. There's going to be a lot of black in the in the stadium. I read that uh, CU is going to bring the Cavalry. So let's go Buffs. Get the job done at Oregon. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation podcast.